God bless you for being here. If you have your uh, Bibles this morning, I hope you'll join me in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter number 3. I want us to look at a sweet story here about God's grace and His mercy and His love. And I want us to take some lessons from Mom. The Bible tells us that Eve is the mother of all living. Every one of us, if we trace our genealogies back, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, there with Adam and Eve. Eve is our mother. Uh, we know that as God created man and took from man from the rib, he created Eve. As a matter of fact, if you'll take your Bibles, if you'll look at Genesis chapter 3, I want to call your attention to one passage of Scripture. This will be our springboard verse for the message today, and it's verse number 20. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 20. If you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word today? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 20. Notice what the text says. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Every one of us here today can call Eve mom. This morning, I want us to look at some lessons from mom. You may be seated this morning for prayer. Heavenly Father, the best that I know how, Lord, I yield myself to you only to preach your word today. God, I pray that this service has already has been highlighted with a deep sense of your abiding presence. Lord, I pray that as we look through this text, I pray that we would see from the Word of God the lessons that Eve has to teach us today. God, we're grateful for our mothers. Thank you for motherhood. Thank you for the maternal nature that you've placed within each and every one of them. And Lord, I pray today that as we leave this place, our moms would be encouraged but, Lord, I also pray that every one of us, husbands and wives, men and women, I pray all of us would be challenged from the Word of God. And, Lord, I pray that if there be one here today that does not know you as their personal Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that they receive Jesus and are saved from their sins. Lord, we love you and we're thankful, thankful, Lord Jesus, that you loved us. Be with us now as we look at the text. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank God for mothers. If you're thankful for your mother, say amen right there. Amen. Mothers are gifts from God. Mothers have been tapped with this responsibility of bringing children into this world. Uh, every mother should be honored today. I learned a lot of things about life from my mother. And as I thought back on this Mother's Day about all the things that my mother had taught me, I, I thought I'd share with you the top ten things that I've learned from my mother. My mother was a great educator. She taught me many things. And it was from my mom that I learned about religion. It wasn't uncommon for me as a child to sit in front of the TV and watch cartoons when they were really cartoons. I'm talking about cartoons like Bugs Bunny, the Tasmanian Devil. Uh, these wonderful cartoons of which I would watch as a child. And I always liked to sit there in front of the television and watch my cartoons and and drink my milk. On occasion, I'd get so excited about Foghorn Leghorn or Yosemite Sam that I would spill my milk in the floor, and that's when my mother would teach me about religion. She'd look at me, and she'd say, Son, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> but my mother also taught me about appreciation. Uh, there were times in my life where 
me and my brother, who's four years younger than I am, we, we did not get along very well, and we always uh, bickered, we always fought. I can remember on one occasion, uh, my mom had just finished cleaning up the house, and this is where I learned my lesson on appreciation. She said, boys, if y'all going to kill each other, go outside. I just clean the house. My mother taught me about logic. She told me one day, she says, if you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <laughs> My mother taught me about irony. She'd tell me, if you keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> My mother taught me about assimilation. We'd be sitting there at the dinner table, and she'd have spinach on the table. I don't like spinach, never liked uh, spinach. But she'd look at me, and I'd complain about it. Mom, I don't want to eat this spinach. I don't want to eat it. And she'd look at me, and she'd say, shut your mouth and eat your supper. <laughs> My mother taught me about stamina. She said, you'll sit there until you eat all of that spinach. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. She told me this. She said, I told you once, if I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. My mother taught me about the circle of life. Frequently, she would remind me when I'd done wrong. I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. <laughs> My mother taught me about anticipation. I'd do wrong, and she'd look at me and she'd say, you wait till your daddy gets home. Anybody have a mama like that? Lord have mercy. Here's the number one thing my mama taught me. My mother taught me about justice. I learned about justice from my mother. She looked at me one day when I was a teenager, and she said, one day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out to be just like you. <laughs> this morning, I want us to look at some lessons from our mom, Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, we find the record of humanity's mother, a woman who was the first in many things. Have you ever thought about this? Eve was the very first mother to ever go through the suffering of childbirth. She was the first to ever endure diaper changes, breastfeeding, burping, teething, and other responsibilities of being a mother. She was the first to see the smile on the very first child. She was the one to see and listen to the very first laugh to hear the very first word, to watch the very first steps. She was the first to answer the question, but mama, why? She was the very first to raise teenagers. Can I get an oh my right there? But listen to this. You ever thought about this? She was the first to bury a son. And she was the first to have a murderer as a son. Boy, if Eve could speak to us today, I think she would say, look very closely at Genesis chapter 3 because there's some lessons in Genesis chapter 3 that I want to share with you. There are some lessons from mom today that really challenge us, some true lessons that really encourage us. There's some lessons here from mom that can change us if we'll see them today. Let me show them to you if I could. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice in regards to lessons from mom is this lesson. 
Compromising God's Word will always weaken you. Compromising God's Word will always weaken you. So what do you mean? Look at what the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Now I'd stop right there. I'd take my pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, and I would underline, highlight, put an asterisk by. I put in quotation marks the word said. S-A-I-D in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, Dear friend, we are looking at, if you will, a beautiful picture of where compromise begins. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that Eve, in the context by which this was written, compromised with the devil. Remember, the Bible tells us there in verse number 1 that the devil is more subtle than any other creature that God had ever made. The word subtle there means to be crafty. It means to, more, to be more sensible in the fact that he had been around longer than anything else on that earth. Remember, it was sometime in eternity past when there was a conflict in the cosmos where God and Lucifer were at war with one another, if you would, as the pride of Lucifer rose up and said, I will be like God. And on five accounts, the Bible tells us, he said, I will. Pride influenced his heart to the point where he said, I will be like God. And God said, no, you won't. And he cast the devil down to earth. Somewhere in this chaotic chaos of creation, where God, who is a God of order, put in order this world, here came to earth, if you would, this serpent, Lucifer, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the evil one. And there he is. And he is more subtle, the Bible says, than any creature that God ever created. And the Bible tells us that Eve said to him. Dear friend, when we began to talk to the devil, we began to put ourselves in a position of compromise. If Eve were to speak to us today, she would say, don't fall for the trick. Don't listen to the devil. Turn from him. Run from him. Get away from him. Do not listen to him. Do not communicate with him. Do not fall for his temptation. He is the tricky one. He is one that is lying a trap for Eve. He has more experience, more bad ideas, and more lies. There are three things that you cannot do when it comes to the devil. Never forget this, dear friend. There are three things you cannot do. Number one, the first thing you cannot do is you cannot reason with him. You cannot reason with the devil. Eve became part of the rebellion by talking with him. Eve would say, don't do it. Don't say anything to him. Don't talk to him. Why? Because you can't reason with him. Number two, you can't negotiate with the devil. There might be country songs that say the devil went down to Georgia and little Johnny, he may have uh, made a bet with the devil, but I'm here to tell you there's no negotiation when it comes to the devil. She tolerated the serpent's challenge in the order of things by which God had set in order, and immediately she took a weaker position. Dear friend, when you compromise God's word, you will always take the weaker position. You can't negotiate with the devil. Here's number three. You cannot argue with the devil. You can take this to the bank. When you argue with the devil, you rationalize that what you're doing is not wrong. 
Well, the fact of the matter is simply this. You're falling into his trap. He wants to carry on a dialogue with you, which you begin to listen to him. And if you'll listen to him, you'll stop listening to the Word of God. Why is that? Because he'll draw you away after your own lust. The Bible says that we fight against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. The prince of the power of this world is our enemy. He's the devil. The Bible says for a born-again child of God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You've got Jesus living inside of you. Don't you listen to the lie of the devil. You'll compromise God's Word. It'll weaken you. As a matter of fact, did you know the Bible says there are two things you can do with the devil? There are two things you can do. What are they? Number one, watch this. The first one is you can resist him. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 7, and again in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 9, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What does resistance look like? Uh, Many years ago that when my uh, mom was getting us ready for school, uh, my mom had bought me this beautiful silk jacket. I thought it was beautiful. You look at it today, it'll remind you of, Uh, My generation looked at a picture of the 60s and 70s, but it was like the coat of many colors. It had these little patches of of, uh, uh, silk on it. And I can remember wearing that thing. Man, I got dressed for school, and man, I was ready to go. Man, I was ready to do this. And I walked in, and my brother had some words. Him and I had some words against each other. Again, he's four years younger than I am. And and, uh, we began to fight and argue. Well, my mother had made some of them wampum biscuits. How many of you know what wampums are? All right, that was, that, you talk about, you say, what in the world's wampums? That's some biscuits you get there in the grocery store, and you come home, and you peel them off, and you whoop them right there on the side of the stove, whatever, and they just, they just they spill out, them wampums. Uh, that's, that, in, in my book, that's what homemade was growing up. So my mom made some homemade wampums. And so uh, she had them there on the stove, and we had some apple butter, and we had some grape jelly, and we had some strawberry jelly and all. Well, I had not yet partaken, but my brother had. And he was sitting there eating that biscuit, and we were having words with each other. Well, he just got a little bit too frisky, in my opinion, and I got up on him. But when I did, Jennifer, he took his fingers, and he touched my silk jacket with those greasy, wampum biscuit hands. And when he removed it, there was his four fingerprints and, his, and a thumb, all five of them, right there on that jacket. Well, when I looked at that and I looked at him, I lost it. And I jumped on him. And he jumped back on me, and we tumbled, and we rumbled, and we rolled until my mama got in between us, and she separated us, and she absolutely called down the judgment of God upon our lives. And from that moment forward, I promise to this day, we never had another fight again. The fact of the matter is, just simply this, she resisted me and my brother coming together. How did she do that? It wasn't so much in what she said, as to what she did she got in between us and she pushed us away from one another resisting something means to go in the other direction of another if the devil is coming for you you should turn and go away from him resist him get away from him and the bible says he will flee from you here's number two the second thing you can do with the devil you can ask jesus to rebuke him So I can just do that myself. Oh, you better be careful. You remember over there in Jude, the Bible says that Michael the archangel was in a big dispute about the with the devil, and that argument was so hot and so heavy that finally, what did what does the Bible say? Michael did. Michael said, "The Lord rebuke you." 
Michael the archangel never put in his category that I rebuke you. He never said that. He put the authority on the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, listen, if Michael the archangel wouldn't rebuke the devil on his own power, then who do we think we are that we can? I'm telling you, if we're going to resist the devil, we need to say the Lord rebuke you. Put it back in the category of the Word of God. Why? Because if we compromise God's Word, it will weaken you. I think about that passage of Scripture over there in Acts chapter 7 in the seven sons of Sceva. How many remember that story? The Sceva brothers. The Sceva brothers in the book of Acts were brothers who, for a living, they cast out demons. They found out that uh, there in the wonderful book of Acts that Peter and the disciples, all the apostles, were casting out demons. And so they wanted to do the same. So they went to this house. Can you imagine walking down the street there in the book of Acts? And, and there on the street corner there, if you would, during that culture, there was the exorcism office of Sceva, 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 and Sceva. And they came out that day, and the Bible says that they went to cast out a demon in this particular passage of Scripture. And the Bible says that when they cast it out, they simply said this, In the name of Peter's Jesus, we cast out these devils. And the Bible says, we know who he is, but who are you? And the Bible says that they leaped off the man, and they beat those seven sons of Sceva till every stitch of clothing fell off. And probably one of the most humiliating verses in the whole entire Bible follows. The Bible says that we ran, they ran down the street naked and afraid. Dear friend, I'm not talking about somebody else's Jesus. I'm talking about our Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus and the Word of God. The Jesus that died on Calvary's cross. If you're going to resist the devil and rebuke the devil, you better do it in Jesus' name. We've compromised with the devil in American culture today. In particular, we've compromised in the arena of motherhood. The Bible gives us some clear insight into the maternal nature of a mother. The Bible tells us all through Scripture what a mama is to do. A mama is to be available according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. On the way to church this morning, my wife got several phone calls from our kids. I've got five kids. Four of them have cell phones. That's an important note to, to remember. Four of my kids have cell phones. And uh, she got a call on several, several times on the way to church. Just simply her children wanted to ask her her question. Mom, where's my belt? Mom, where's my socks? Mom, where's my shirt? Have you seen my shoes? And every question my wife could answer, yeah, it's in the back of the car. Yeah, that's over in the closet. Yeah, that's over here. Man, I'm telling you what, mamas are the best finder of things on the planet. Can I get a witness right there? As a matter of fact, you could say that, I'm telling you what, men lose things and women find things. Is that a true statement? Man, yes. I mean, I, I, as a matter of fact, when it comes right down to it, when you look at the Word of God, you see very clearly that God designed men and women vastly different. When God speaks to a woman, he usually tells her one time. When God speaks to a man, he always has to call his name twice. Have you ever noticed that? Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Esau, Esau, because men need to be told things twice. Men, women need to be told things once. Where in the world would we be without women? Back in the Garden of Eden. Oh, oh it's okay. It's a joke. <laughs> Lord, did you hear her? She said, boop. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. 
Lighten up. It's okay. <laughs> Men really do lose things and you find them. It's okay, Mama. Available. Here's another thing. Here's another thing, number two. Uh, involvement. The Bible says over in Ephesians chapter 4 that as a parent and even as a mother, there's this maternal instinct to interact, to discuss, to think, to process life together. Uh, there are mothers here today that have had deep, deep discussions with their children. Uh, discussions about faith, discussions about life, because you love your children. Uh, you're involved in their life. You're concerned from where they are and, and where they're going. Uh, another maternal instinct that God gave you as a mother is that of teaching. Uh, the scripture uh, is where we find our biblical worldview. Where did Timothy learn about his worldview? He learned it from his grandmother and mother that taught him. Training. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 22.6 how that we are to help our children discover and develop uh, their strengths and in particular their spiritual gifts. Thank God for a mother. I can remember my mom when I answered the call to preach. She's or in the call to ministry. She said, you're right, Shane. I, I know God's called you into ministry. I want to help you get there. I can remember getting in the car with my mother and her taking off of work and driving me to Birmingham, Alabama to look for apartment complexes to live in, to help, helping me find a job. She's trying to help me get the training that I need in order that I might be your pastor today, those many, many years ago. Thank God for mom. Mom is equipped, if you would, in the Word of God to bring discipline. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Hebrews chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 13, and many, many, many other verses throughout the book of Proverbs talks about the discipline of a mother. How that discipline is to help strengthen and encourage and help that child grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nobody likes to be disciplined. Uh, but a mother's discipline is one of love and tender mercy and sweet, sweet grace. Another one is nurture. Within each and every mother is this God-given desire, this maternal involvement that deals in the arena of nurturing to provide an environment of constant verbal support. And that is freedom to fail, acceptance, affirmation, and more than anything, unconditional love. Thank God for a mother's unconditional love. A mother is equipped with nurture in the Word of God. How about this one? Probably one of the most important. A mother is equipped with this maternal nature of modeling what integrity is. A daughter will learn from her mother how to or how not to dress. A, um, a daughter will learn from a mother what to say and what not to say. Verbiage and language, crudeness or innocence. I think we're living in a world today that you'll see that we are in fact living in a world today. I don't think I know that where we've compromised in our American culture when it comes to motherhood. And to be quite honest with you, it's weakened our culture, it's weakened our nation, it's weakened our homes, and it's impacted our churches. Moms today mentally compare what is more important, work or motherhood. We've created a culture and a society today in the United States of America where we have almost, it is it's mandatory that a mother go to work just so that we can make ends meet. And, and our moms have to struggle and fight. Which, which is more important, work or, or motherhood? Let me, can I just settle it for you? Motherhood is always more important than work. In fact, it is the greatest work a mother could ever do. 
Our culture today has implemented boys at an early age to be maternal. I've never seen anything like this. I read that this week. I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I, I want you to listen. I wrote this down. I just want to give it to you just exactly as I wrote it. When you have to teach a boy to be maternal, then something's wrong. The maternal instincts of God is, is a God-given gift to mothers. And it's through this gift that a proper rearing of children need to be performed. What I'm saying is we need moms to be moms and we need dads to be dads. There's no gray area. God gave us mamas. God gave us daddies. And I know that there are some occasions where a boy doesn't have a dad or a, or a boy doesn't have a mother. But for the most part, when you think about a family unit, it's a mama and a daddy. We've messed that up today. And the longer we go in this culture without taking a stand, the more easier it gets. And we compromise the Word of God. And it's weakened us. Every time you compromise the Word of God, it will weaken you. That's the first lesson our mother would tell us. Never compromise God's Word. Number two, changing God's Word will always tempt you. Changing God's word will always tempt you. Look at what the Bible says in our text in, in verse number 2. Uh, the Bible says there, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. I would underline that word, that phrase, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Because what we see here is an intent from Eve to correct the serpent's question, but her answer, as you can see, is already the damage has been done. Her answer adds both and subtracts, if you would, from the Word of God. When you compromise, you will add or subtract from the Word of God. In this case, she added. She made God more restrictive than He really is. When you read the creation account, you see where God says you may eat freely. But Eve said, we just may eat. God gave them full rights. God gave them abundance. God gave them everything that they needed. But Eve just said they had access. Eve said that they could not touch. God didn't restrict touching. As a matter of fact, to examine and understand what was forbidden was okay. It was to partake that was forbidden. I think we think that in the Garden of Eden, God had a big fence right there. and You couldn't get in because of that fence, and she reached over there to take it. No, she could walk up to it. She could examine it. She could look at the leaves. She could inspect it. So could Adam. She just couldn't eat it. I think we're living in a day today where... We think that the more strict we are as born-again children of God, the more like Christ we are. And we add to God's Word. Let me remind you, that's exactly what the Pharisees and Sadducees did in the Word of God. That's what uh, the, the Pharisees created in regards to a religion. They added to the Word of God. Instead of just letting the Word of God be the Word of God, they said, well, no, we got to do this, and we got to do that, and we got to do this, and we got to do that. And for some reason in our culture today, we think that if we are strict enough, then we are more spiritual. When in fact, the Bible didn't call you to be strict. He called you to be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Don't change the word of God. It'll put you in a position of temptation. Number three, considering sin's offer will change you. Considering sin's offer will change you. Here's the third lesson from mom. Notice what the Bible says in verse number four. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. 
For God doth know that in the day that you shall eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree to be desired to make one wise. You see what happened? She was tempted, and now she's considering the devil's offer, and in considering it has changed her position. Eve had rebuked Satan. Had she had had rebuked Satan at this point, the matter would be different in history. But she didn't. We note that the temptation is the same one that led to Satan's fall. He said, you'll be like God. That's what he wanted. Eve discusses the matter with Satan, thus considering his dis- this, this proposal, and, and it makes him even bolder. And when you put down someone's evil ideal in action and run away from them, then you hold yourself in a position to being true with the Word of God. But when you begin to question sin, maybe that ain't that bad. Maybe if I just have one drink, it ain't, it's not going to be that bad. Or, or maybe if I just, maybe if I just, maybe if I, I just talk to that old friend from high school. I mean, it's not like I'm going on a date with them. Or maybe if I just, maybe if I just take that, that person's drugs. That, that won't hurt anything. Or, or, or how about this? Maybe if I, do, if I don't go to church today. Eve discusses the matter with Satan. And Satan becomes bolder. And his ambitions become stronger. Now Satan doesn't question the law. He actually accuses God of being jealous and dishonest. Look at it. It's right there in the text. He, he says, Jesus, he says, he, God's a liar. God's a liar, he says. Is it not that you won't die? You shall not surely die. You're going to be like God. He's lying to you. He doesn't want you to have this full knowledge. He doesn't want you to have this great, this great, wonderful paradise. He is lying to you. He's not telling you the truth. God is a liar. That's what Satan's saying. Number two, he's also saying God's jealous of you. Can you imagine God being jealous of his creation? Satan believed it. He tried to convince Eve of it. He's simply saying, he lied to you because he doesn't want you to be like him. He's jealous. You see, what he does is, Satan is so, he does it every time. He'll take the curse and try to make it the blessing. And when we see what's happening here, we see that uh, Eve, the mo- our mother is tempted on three levels. She's tempted on a physical level, on an emotional level, and on a spiritual level. Did you notice that? On a physical level, because she says she sees it, it's good for food. On an emotional level, saying that it's pleasant to the eye. And on a spiritual level, it's desiring to make one wise, appeals to one's mind, intellect, pride, to have a special insight or a vision. John talked about these three areas of temptation in 1 John 2, 16, where he says, For all that it's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. 
It's from the, 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 the ruler of this world, the devil. As a matter of fact, Jesus faced these same threefold temptations. He had a physical appetite in the desert, an emotional desire that he'd possess the kingdoms, and a spiritual aspect in regards to pride that is special protection from the angels. And how did Jesus encounter each one of them? He talked about God. He referred back to the Word of God. Oh, dear friend, if we're going to resist the devil, we've got to run away. If we're going to resist the devil, we've got to stand firm on the Word of God. I think Ecclesiastes 9.4 says this. It's a good word. Uh, better a live dog than a dead lion. Don't think that you're all that. You know, we're living in a culture today where each one of us, we think we're hot snot in a pot. But really, we're just a cold booger on a paper plate. <laughs> Number four. Let me give you the fourth lesson from Eve. So if you're, if you're following along with the progression, here it is. Compromising God's Word will weaken you. That's number one. Changing God's Word will tempt you. That's number two. Considering sin's offer will change you. That's number three. And then number four. Choosing sin's offer will expose you. We find this in chapter 6, and it runs all the way down to verse 20. The Bible says there in chapter 3, verse 6, that she took the fruit and she ate it. And she gave it to Adam, and he willingly ate it as well. And through that willful action, their eyes were opened, and they noticed that they were naked. God calls out to them. They go and hide themselves, the Bible says, and... As God calls for Adam, he says, we were naked and we hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? And in verse number 13, God says, or we find that the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? Why? Because Adam said, it's the woman, it's her fault. And then God says, well, tell me what you did, sweetheart. And the Bible says that the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Dear friend, choosing sin's offer will always expose you have you ever been exposed before yesterday I was exposed to the element of rain so what do you mean well, it was a bad storm that came yesterday I had some garbage on the back of my truck and uh, I was I had to go dump it I had I mean, a bunch of bunch of different things and uh, I needed to come we got baby dedication this next hour we're gonna be dedicating seven babies somewhere around in there and, and I need to get those names. I like to read through the names before I get up here. And uh, Miriam needed to go to town. I said, hey, honey, why don't you just come with me? We'll go take the garbage. I'll pick up the, the, um, uh, the, the, the baby dedication names. You can help me read through them, make sure I'm pronouncing them all right. I mean, after all, y'all know I'm from Alabama. So I want to make sure I get those names pronounced right. And, so, uh, and then we can go get Grandma her Mother's Day gift. She's not, Grandma's not in this service, uh, so we got her some slippers. We'll go get her slippers for Mother's Day. That's a great idea. So we got in the truck and we came, and man, we hit Maysville, the bottom fell out. It was raining so bad that when I pulled up in the driveway, I came underneath this overhang that's right here. The Maysville police came and they were in that overhang right there, and we both were waiting out the storm. 
We went inside, my wife and I did, and we went on through the names, and we, we took care of all of that and got back in the truck. It's still raining. As I'm sitting there, I get a text message from a friend in Carrollton, and it says, are you okay? The weather says it's really bad. I, I shoot him a text back. I said, man, it's a toad strangler. It is absolutely incredible. It's coming down. It's raining cats and dogs. I mean, it is just crazy out here. It's raining so hard. So finally, the weather let up just a little bit. I turned to Miriam. I said, let's make a break for it. She said, yes. We pulled the truck down behind the refuge, and I backed it up to the gondola, to that garbage can back there. We uh, got, looked at each other and said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. Are you ready? I said, I'm ready. One, two, three. And we opened up the door. Now, what I failed to tell you is, before I got in the truck here from the church, I emptied my pockets. I put my wallet down there, my cell phone down in the, there in the cup holder. My wife put her in the cup holder. And so when we jumped out of the car, and I didn't want the vehicle to ding, I pulled the keys out of the ignition. And I left the keys right there on the armrest. So when I opened up the door and I leapt out, I had on my brand new running shoes, to which I'm dummy for wearing them in the rain. But nonetheless, there was a mud puddle. And I tried to avoid that mud puddle. And when I did, my hand must have hit the lock button. Not realizing I did so, I shut the door and commenced to unloading that garbage while my wife Miriam's on the other side unloading the garbage. It's just barely sprinkling. And then the truck goes, boop, boop, click. And I, I reached in my, and I looked at my wife, and she saw it on my face. She said, you didn't. I said, happy Mother's Day. About that time, the heavens opened up, and God decided to pour down rain upon us. I looked at her, and she looked at me. We ran to the cook shed. She said, what are we going to do? I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to run up the parking lot. I'm going to go get the Maysville police. I'm going to get on the phone, and I'm going to call uh, Holly, and uh, we're, going, we're going to, uh, oh, wait a minute. I can't call Holly. I don't know her number. I just push a little button on my phone. Uh, Miriam, do you know any of our children's numbers? Remember, how many cell phones? I gave you this at the beginning of the service. How many cell phones do I have? My kids have four. They have four phones. Guess how many numbers I know of my kids' phone numbers? Uh, zero. Oh, because I just pushed my, their favorite. I, I just pushed your name, Holly or Alyssa. Miriam says, I think I know Alyssa's number. I said, okay, I'll go get the police officer and we'll come back. I sprint, man, I sprint in the rain up to this overhang right here underneath the church. Guess what? He gone. <laughs> so I take out my, I don't have my phone. Uh, so I, 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 I can't take my phone out. So I, I say, well, I, I guess the, I check all the doors. By the way, Abe, Jay, I don't know if y'all were in here. They did a good job of locking the church up yesterday. <laughs> it uh, seems to be, Mark, the doors were locked. Couldn't get in. So I ran back down to the cook shed. She said, it's not there. I said, no, not there. I said, but I got an idea. I opened up the garage door over on the cook shed. Bzzz, and there she was. How old is that golf cart in that cook shed? 50 years old? Bless God, it's the truth, it's 50. It is so old on the, on, the, on the windshield. Somebody has taken a permanent mark and wrote, I'm old. I got to hurry. This is important to the story. 
So I'm exposed to the elements. Miriam and I get in. She says, where are we going? I said, I don't know. Let's go cruising. Happy Mother's Day. No, I'm just kidding. I said, let's go down to the neighbor's house. So we go down to the neighbor's house. And went first neighbor we went to, they weren't home. So we went across the street to the neighbor's house. And praise God, they were home. I'm so grateful for them. I thank God for them. They were so sweet and so kind. Here I am. I look like a ragamuffin. I am dripping wet. I mean dripping wet. We pulled in their driveway in this 50-year-old golf cart that barely got there and said, can we help you? I said, I got a real problem. And the sweet lady of the house said, what's your problem? I said, well, I'm number one. My first problem is I'm the preacher of this church right over here. That's my first. I said, number two, I've locked my keys in my truck and our cell phones and all. And my wife, bless her heart, she's just sitting over there smiling just like Jesus would. (laughs) Anyways, to make a long story short, we had a great, great visit with our neighbors across the street here at Maysville. They drove me all the way home. I got the spare key, drove me all the way back. Man, it was a great time, man. We, we talked about children. We talked about Mother's Day. They did some marital counseling. I mean, it was really good. I mean, just excellent. <laughs> excellent. 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 Got there, opened the keys. Thank God, there's our cell phones. Got 50 million phone calls, texts, people looking for us and uh, wondering what's going on. I turned to my wife and I smiled one last time and I said, Happy Mother's Day. Now, the moral of that story is just simply this. Don't lock your keys in the car. But there's another element that I want to share with you. The reason why I was dripping, sopping wet is because I was exposed to the element. Dear friend, when, we're, when we sin, we expose ourselves. Not to the elements, but to God. We're exposed to God. And you see that our mother, Eve, When she chose sin's offer to eat of that fruit, it exposed her sin before God. And we find here a great lesson, probably the greatest lesson of all, and that's lesson number five. And that lesson is just simply this. Confessing your sins will yield God's grace to you. Now I want you to notice in verse number 13 again. The Bible tells us in verse number 13 that Eve said, The serpent beguiled me. Our mom said, The the devil tricked me. But I want you to notice what she did next. She confessed her sin. She said, I did eat. She made an honest declaration, an honest confession. She said, Yes, I am guilty. And what God does next is absolutely incredible. The first thing he does is he disciplines the serpent. You see it there in verse number 14. The Bible says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of of thy life. We find number one, he disciplines the serpent. Number two, he disciplines the woman. Verse 16, did you see it there? The Bible says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. The word desire there means to rule over spiritually. I wish I could tell you the number of men that come in my office 
and in brokenness and humility say, my wife's the spiritual leader of the home, and I know it's not to be that way. It's a part of the curse. Can I say something to you fathers? If you are going to rule your house well, not in an authoritative position, but in a pastor position, in leading your family through a pastoral type of ministry to love your family, then you've got to read the Word of God. You've got to study the Word of God. And so we find here in this wonderful passage of Scripture, the Bible tells us here in the text that this desire is going to be for her husband. And then the Scripture says this. The Bible says, and he shall rule over you. Now that word rule there does not mean an authoritarian. It means to rule well. It's our responsibility as husbands to lead our families to the throne of grace. He disciplines the woman. And then he disciplines the man in verse 17 through 20. And I don't have time to go through all of this discipline, but you can see it there. He disciplines the man. They are released from the garden. But then I want you to notice what God does next in verse number 21. In verse number 21, God demonstrates His grace. Notice what the Scripture says. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Who made the coats of skin? The Lord God. God is demonstrating His grace to those that have confessed their sins. Was there discipline? Yes. Any parent that loves their child will discipline their child lest they raise an ignorant child who does not know how to live. God, because of His love for us, disciplines us. And if our mother, of, of the mother of all, if Eve could speak, she would say, listen, if you'll confess your sins, he will pour out his grace upon you. I experienced it, she said. I said, I did eat. I sinned. And the discipline came. And then grace was given. Dear friend, Jesus Christ died on the cross that we, through our confession of sin, who are dead, are resurrected back to life through the blood of Jesus Christ and are saved by the grace of God. Dear friend, I want to ask you a question this morning in closing this Mother's Day sermon. Lessons from Mom. The greatest lesson that Eve teaches us, the mother of all living, is that God wants to give you grace. But in order to receive that grace, you have to confess your sins and trust Christ as Savior. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Dear friend, today you'd be saved. Today you can have a right relationship with God. Today you can have your sins forgiven, you can be cleansed, but it's going to take you admitting that you're a sinner. Eve admitted she was a sinner, and God extended grace to her. Oh, dear friend, the mother of all living says this to us today. Come to Jesus Christ.